You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed and emotionally drained episode of the Assembly Call. As today, your Indiana Hoosiers fall in Champaign 70-62 to to the Illinois Fighting Illini in a game that was much more competitive than even that final score would indicate. As Indiana playing without Khalil Ware, uh, with a lot of guys in foul trouble, even playing the final four minutes of the game without Malik Renu, uh, who fouled out, battled valiantly. Um, and, you know, gave us the type of competitive focus and fight uh, that we've asked for in these games. You know, the, the disappointment in some of these losses is not just the loss, it's how they lost. And so there's a lot of disappointment today because of the loss, and I'm not here to say that there are any moral victories because, as we'll talk about, a real victory was there for the taking. Uh, and in a lot of ways, I think you could say, you know, Indiana should have been able to win a game like this, but it wasn't for... Uh, you know, for a lack of effort or for, you know, for not playing hard, for not playing tough, for not fighting for 40 minutes. These guys laid it all on the line. Everybody who played uh, left everything they had on the court. And I just found myself as the second half went on wanting it so badly for them. Um, because there have been so many games where it's felt like they haven't brought the right mentality and cohesiveness and fight to win a game. And they had it today, but ultimately just didn't have enough to beat a really good and really talented Illinois team. So the loss drops Indiana uh, to 12-8 and eight on the season, 4-5 and five in conference play, and we're going to break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Galen Clavio. Ryan Phillips is here. And guys, let's start uh, this show the way we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And for the banner moment uh, today, I'm going to go uh, to late in the second half. Uh, Indiana plays a, a really good defensive possession. Uh, Marcus Damask hits a really nice turnaround jumper on the baseline. It made it 62-58. to 58. And, you know, with Malik Renew already on the sidelines, it really felt like, man, that might be it. But what happened on the next two possessions, I thought, really said a lot about Indiana's freshman, Mackenzie Mbako, who is displaying, you know, so much of his talent and ability that made him a five-star uh, prospect and doing it today without his number one skill really coming to the fore, which is three-point shooting. He was 0 for 3 from downtown, but, you know, ended up finishing the game uh, with 12 points, 12 boards. And on this stretch, uh, you know, found a cutting Anthony Walker for a layup. Then Anthony Leal gets a big rebound. And then McKenzie Mbako steps into a long two uh, off the dribble. That tied the game at 62 to 62. And it was, you know, McKenzie Mbako showing just more elements to his game that we saw today. We saw the ability to drive. We saw the ability to pass. Uh, and obviously the shooting ability that we know is there, uh, you know, didn't have a great shooting day. He was 4 of 14 and, and did have some defensive miscues in the second half but I still thought overall uh, was probably his best performance uh, as a Hoosier and just a, a great sign of his continued growth um, and, and for an Indiana team that just had to find a way to manufacture some buckets without Malik Renu, uh, he was able to do it. Uh, but unfortunately, those would be the last points Indiana would score uh, and they would end up losing the game, as we mentioned. Um, so anyway, uh, let's talk now about our presenting sponsor.
Well, our banner moment today, as always, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, who I missed uh, one of the commercial breaks, but I saw folks in our Discord mentioning that Homefield had a commercial uh, during this game, which is nice to see. Uh, but Homefield Apparel, now in their seventh season sponsoring the Assembly Call, their third as the presenting sponsor for the Back Home Network. And as you know, Homefield has the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you will find anywhere. And since IU is their flagship school, they've always got new stuff coming out. Connor mentioned a few weeks ago right here on this show that they're planning an Indiana refresh. So make sure that you're signed up for the text alerts and the app and all the different ways that you can get home field notifications because you're going to want to know when those items come out uh, because usually they go pretty fast. And you can see uh, the members of our team today modeling some home field apparel. I have my Hoosier Ticket Project shirt on. So supporting not just Home Field Apparel, but also our friends at Hoosier Ticket Project, who will be at our meetup next weekend uh, after the Penn State game. But look, guys, Home Field Apparel, it's not just Indiana. They have over 150, 160 schools, whatever the number is now. It's comfortable material. It's high-quality material. And that's why you should go there. Buy for yourself, shop for your friends. And when you do, especially if it's your first order, you can save with our promo code HOME23. That'll get you 15% off your first order. Uh, and again, always pay attention to what they're doing on social and in their notifications because a lot of times they'll have flash 20% off sales where you can save even more or if you've already used that first-time user code. So anyway, homefieldapparel.com. Our promo code is HOME23. That'll get you 15% off. Wear one for the team. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And we will start with our visitor from Crimson Cast, uh, Galen Clavio. Uh, Galen, your opening thoughts on this Indiana loss. It was a good effort by the players, but I tweeted earlier on during the game that it kind of felt like watching a war between two countries, one of which was using tanks and the other which was using ballistic missiles. Yeah. Uh, this is just a, it's an asymmetric approach to the game of basketball. And, you know, I, I thought the defensive effort was better from this IU team. And that's been something I've been harping on for a while. And they almost use that defensive effort to pull off a victory. They hold Illinois to 37% from the field. They hold them to 30% from three. They turn them over nine times, which is, you know, decent enough. Uh, they didn't rebound well, which is still a problem and, and certainly created some issues. But I, I know Ryan's going to touch on shooting, but I'm more concerned and irritated by this number, which is the, the – anybody know what that number is? That was, that was two. The leading assist man for Indiana in this game, that's how many assists he had in the game, two assists, eight total uh, on however many made baskets. Uh, this is This is just – not a system that allows Indiana to be competitive in games like this. You lose too many points on the margins. And unfortunately, I, you know, as much as I liked the effort, I always kind of felt like it was going to come down to the situation that we saw at the end of the game. So nothing about the ending surprised me. Yeah, I can't argue with any of that. All right, Ryan, I know you've got your rant locked and loaded. Let's go. Uh, basketball is a simple game and the most important factor in it. Well, there's always defense, but it's putting the ball in the hoop. Like that's, it's pretty key to winning a game. You got to do it at least once to beat somebody. Uh, Indiana is a really, really bad shooting team. And it's a really, really bad shooting program. And we've seen this for several years now before the, before the show, I said, well, it's been three years. Gail said, it's actually been seven. And, and that's true. It has been seven years since Indiana could shoot. 
And we're not just talking about three-pointers. We can harp on the 0 for 9 from three. You're not going to win a game on the road if you don't make a three-pointer. Not a single person on this roster could make a three-pointer today. Not a single one. And they weren't even really attempting many. Uh, a lot of them was... A lot of them were late shot clock or afterthoughts or Trey Galloway getting one screen and firing it up because we know he's a knockdown shooter. Um, but the other problem is just the free throw line. I mean, when when is this program going to get better at these things? You know, it's it's not like we didn't know this was a problem. Today, there were 12 of 22 from the free throw. They have 10 points on the free throw line. And on the season, they're shooting, but coming into today, and it's going to go down, they were shooting 66% from the free throw line, which is 320th in the country. Like at Indiana, like guys, I, and, and my problem with it is, as I said, it was a problem the first year. It was a problem last year, and it's a problem this year. And nothing structurally has been done to change that. We didn't go after knockdown shooters in the transfer portal. You didn't recruit a knockdown shooter this year. You didn't. Well, I mean, you may have tried, but you didn't land anybody. And I'm sorry. Who do we blame when players don't come? It's the staff. You have to. Tom Crean, one of the reasons Tom Crean got fired, and there were a lot of reasons, but one of them was he couldn't land the players he needed for the program. It's on the coaches to get those players. And when you're not seeing it, yeah, you got Liam McNeely coming in next year. Fine. Liam McNeely's coming in next year. He's a great shooter. I've said I think he's the best high school player in the country uh, as far as how he's performing. I fear for what's going to happen to him in this program, like because there is no emphasis on improvement of shooting, getting better. And, and some people said, well, you're just a natural shooter or not. I'm sorry, but Crean's program, there were a lot of problems with it, but they made shooters. You can make a shooter and you can certainly improve guys. And there is no improvement from the free throw line or the three point line in this program. There wasn't under Archie Miller and it's not now. And it's very clear that it is not prioritized being athletic defense and all of those things are far more prioritized than the skills needed to win a basketball game like this. And it shows up in basketball games like this, like today, that's a winnable game. I'm not upset with the effort. I knew they would probably lose going into it. So I'm not angry, but just watching if you make two threes, you win this game. If you make five more free throws, you're probably winning this game. You had your senior sixth year point guard on the line down two points with two shots with about a minute to go. I don't think anybody in the fan base thought he was going to make both of those. And he's a decent free throw shooter. Missed them both. And and it's just, it's an example of what's wrong. The details are not there for Indiana. Shooting is a detailed-oriented thing, and the details are not there. You got the talent, you got the athleticism, but the underlying problems with this program are all detail-oriented, and they don't get better, and nobody is addressing them. And it's, it's frustrating to watch because we, as Galen said, I knew exactly how this game was going to end. Once it was close, you knew it was going to come down to the free throw line or someone on Illinois hitting a big three pointer. And that's what you got. And so I just, it's, we're watching the same thing over and over again with no improvement. And it's like, we're just supposed to expect it to get better at some point. There's a reason there's no improvement and there's no focus and no attention paid to it. Yeah. Just to chime in on that. I, you know, we even the idea that you're going to bring in a knockdown shooter in the portal or that you're going to go recruit guys. We there have been players who can shoot who haven't shot at IU yep. who have it's gone true. elsewhere and have shot better. Uh, you know, not just Tamar Bates either. I mean, he's probably 100%. the most shining example. And I'm honestly, I wonder, I, you hear a lot about 
you know, uh, negative recruiting. Like people are going to be negative recruiting because like, well, guard roles don't look great in Indiana's offense. That's like, all you need to do with negative recruiting for Indiana with guards right now, you don't have to say anything. You just have to put, show the stat sheet. No, just put a tape of a game on yeah. of Indiana playing offense. It it really is fascinating how there's no actions run for shooters on the outside. Everything is centered around this dump down ISO game with Renew. And look, he's an awesome, Amazing. awesome player. And he, what he's able to do down there with essentially no help is pretty fascinating. But think about all the threes Illinois hit today that were based on the ball being in the post and then getting kicked back out. How many times did Indiana even try that in this game? Like two or three at most? It's- and when they do try it, nobody's ready to shoot because the whole point of the offense is reverse the ball around. The post guy moves to the other side and we throw it back in. It's they're not ready to shoot. They're ready to pass. You mentioned somebody mentioned that Xavier Johnson, the charge on or the, the what should have been a charge on Terrence Shannon is like a turning point. To me, the turning point happened, I think, a possession or two earlier when there's an action going on the on the left side and. For like the fourth time in the game, they sneak. I think I don't know if it was Damask or, or the other guy Goody, comes over on the on the strong side, and it's just a quick pass out, and he's wide open, and Renew can't get out to defend him. And it's like, not only is that that's poor defense, certainly, but that's such a simple action that Indiana could be incorporating into their own post-heavy offense that they just refuse to do. It's fascinating to me how little care seems to be given to shooting the basketball. And Ryan, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it just doesn't, it almost, it's like it's assumed that guys will be able to shoot and therefore you're going to focus on other things. And if we've got seven years of evidence right now that says that is not how it goes. And that's, that's gotta be changed. It just has to be at this point. I mean, if you look at it just very simply, they they lost by eight points. Uh, Illinois hit seven threes. Indiana lost the three point line by 21 points. And you look at the free throws, Illinois didn't shoot well. They made 17, though, and Indiana made 12 of its 20. They lost by five there. So that's 26 points you're having to, a 26 point hole you're having to dig yourself out of. Now, they played hard and they did do well, but also down the stretch of games, a lot of it is centered on the free throw line. Illinois went on an 8 0 run to win the game at the end. And that's, that's the game right there. Indiana had its opportunities. And when you get behind the eight ball by missing your free throws, then you're rushing your offense. You're not actually running good actions. You're trying to get a shot up quickly because you have to foul. And it just buries you even further. It's a snowball. Sometimes that works, but it rarely does once you get behind the eight ball there. Well, and and as we've talked about with the three-point line, it's not always about the percentage. No. You know, like I've heard people say, like, Indiana's three-point defense is better because the percentage in in Big Ten play because the percentage has been lower. And there's something to that. I mean, they are closing out a little bit better in some of that. I mean, today, Illinois goes 7 for 23. That's 30.4%. That's less than their season average. Yep. So you could say, oh, well, that was good three-point defense. The problem is they hit timely three-pointers. And teams hit timely ones against us all the time because when they need a three, they can go get one. And our problem is when we need a three, we don't know how to get one. Yep. Like, it's not always that we don't have shooters. I mean, maybe the most ironic stat that people would not believe. Every player who has transferred in to Indiana to play under Mike Woodson has improved their three-point percentage. <laughs> the percentage. The problem is three-point shooting it. is less about the percentage than it is about getting up the right number, having it in your offense. And even if you shoot 30%, if you can hit six or seven of them at the right time, they're backbreakers, especially against Indiana, because we know we're not going to be able to come back and counter it. Now we need two possessions to make up for what they did in one. And I think a big problem all season 
has been, you know, you play UConn and, and, you know, even when Nebraska was getting hot, when, you know, same thing with Wisconsin with Klesmet. It's like our guys realize, oh, crap, they're doing that thing now that we don't it. really do, and it's going to be so hard, and they lose a little bit of the focus. I mean, I mean, the reason why I was proud of the way that our guys played today, and it's kind of a backhanded insult because it's only because the bar has been lowered so much, is our guys kept fighting through all of that. And that's why it was only an eight-point loss instead of a 20-point loss. If this team had brought the same mentality they had to Wisconsin or Nebraska or Connecticut, they would have lost by 20. But they kept fighting to make this competitive. But as you said, Galen, it's like you're fighting uphill. And it was just so frustrating to watch it because you see these systemic issues. And look, they didn't take as many long twos. The substitutions you know, were, seemed much more reasonable today. The bench was shorter. Like There's stuff we've been asking for that happened. Again, I think that's part of why this game was closer. But this is just not a sustainable way to play basketball at a high level because players aren't idiots. <laughs> like They know yeah. that... Like, we are just at such a disadvantage here. And, you know, at some point over 40 minutes, the math just becomes overwhelming. And that's what happened to this team today. Yeah, and, and I think what's worth noting, Jared, too, is other teams see this and know this. I mean, they pack the paint and leave Indians. Gabe Cups can shoot whenever he wants. You know, I mean, he can. they're not going to close out on him, like, if hard. Trey Galloway, they go under every single screen, which makes driving harder. You know, like it makes his game more restricted because they're going to they're like, please take that shot, Trey, please. You know, the only guy they really close out hard to, I would say, renew sometimes because they know he can make them out there. He hasn't made them much recently, but they know he can make them. But Mbako is the only one they cover on the three point line. The only one. And as you said, the they were all over him and all over him. And maybe run something to free him up. And and that's the thing is it's just not prioritizing. Like for example, you had Miller Cop last year hit forty five percent from three, and he took four a game, four. Like make Mike lower his percentage by making him shoot more. Like please, you should be force feeding him. You know how much that helps your offense. It opens everything else up. It's what the Warriors figured out. It's sort of like the spread offense in football. The spread offense in football, they. Rich Rodriguez's team was terrible, so he decided we're going to spread it out and throw to everybody and just try and put up a bunch of yards and have fun. And what he realized is when you spread defenses out, there's all these running lanes everywhere, and so they started running the ball. What the Warriors figured out is when you shoot three-pointers, it opens the floor up. Steph Curry's an amazing shooter, but the biggest benefit he's gotten from the Warriors' offense is that he can drive because it's all isoed and individual. That's what happens when you open the floor. And like it benefits everybody when you can knock down a shot, make the defense respect you. The floor is wide open. And especially if you want to run a post oriented offense, you don't want double teams. You don't want a crowded paint. You open it up by hitting shots and Indiana does not do that. And you're right, Galen. It makes it so much harder. It's like running in mud while everybody else is on, you know, asphalt. Like it's, it's, it's so hard to do. And I don't blame the players. I don't. This is what they're taught. This is what they run. And it's so hard to watch because if you watch the rest of college basketball, everybody seems to have figured it out. I mean, some teams can't do it, but they at least try. And Indiana does not try. Well, and I something I mentioned on podcast on the brink earlier this week. If you're not going to shoot threes, if you're not going to run actions for threes, if that's just not going to be a, a main part of your offense, you have to to rebound the basketball, which Indiana just categorically refuses to do. It's fascinating. 
Uh, Illinois uh, had they, they had a 33 percent offensive rebound percentage tonight, which is another reason why they won the game. They they're you're able to keep possessions alive, and there's guys out there for Indiana who either just don't box out because it just is it, it's not something that's emphasized clearly. I think we have enough evidence over multiple years to say that. Or you've got guys. I mean, Anthony Walker, while he had some good moments, looked completely baffled about when he was supposed to go after rebounds. It's you know, the, the whole idea with efficiency and offense is that you want to score points on every possession. And if you can't, you want to try to extend the possession by getting a rebound and being able to keep it going. You also want to keep your opponent from being able to score on every possession. And when you don't rebound, it, you know, obviously that's a problem, but it's compounded when you're also giving up far more from the three-point line because that now they're not only scoring baskets on those, but they're scoring them at a higher clip than you can. I, you know, that's the one thing about this Indiana offense that, you know, at this point I've accepted, they're just not going to have three pointers as a key element, but to be so weak on the, on both ends, on the glass, basically you almost have to play a perfect game outside of that in order to win. And that is, you don't have the personnel for that at this point. I mean, you just don't. And it's really, it does get frustrating how many times we get our hands on rebounds and there'll be like four IU guys there and the other guy comes up with it or we tap it out of bounds, you know, like it just, or, you know, obviously when we just don't block out, I mean, Malik Renew picks up his fourth foul, which I thought, I mean, it was a questionable call. He was basically going up for the rebound and Coleman Hawkins just jumps around him and gets that little putback and they somehow call the foul on Malik. But part of that is because Coleman Hawkins was allowed to go from outside the three-point line all the way in for a rebound without a body getting on him. And that was defensive, so it's not what you were talking about with offensive, but it's just part of the mentality of rebounding. We do a lot of reaching for rebounds, and one of the reasons why I thought McKenzie and Baco's rebounding was so impressive is he actually went out of his area and attacked rebounds and went and grabbed them. I mean, he was by far the best rebounder Indiana had today, and it's been a huge part of his growth. Um, but you're absolutely right, Galen. And, and look, and th- this is this is the frustration is we just you watch it and there's just all these contradictions and things that just don't really make sense. It's like, hey, but if you're not going to do this, you have to at least do this or, you know, and it just it really does feel like our guys are just out there playing at a disadvantage. And sometimes they're talented enough to overcome it, but a lot of times they're not. And that was the case today. Illinois didn't win this game because they wanted it more. Illinois won because they played a smarter brand of basketball. And despite playing the worst game, really, I mean, they didn't shoot well. They made a lot of dumb decisions. They let IU go on a bunch of runs and an IU team that really didn't have a lot of offensive options. This was a game Indiana should have been able to win. It's a road game. You're going to lose some like this, but it's frustrating that Indiana tried to win with one hand tied behind their back because of the plan that was being used offensively. Yep. All right. Uh, Let's move on here to segment two as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's loss to Illinois. We'll point out tonight's meaningful moments you might have missed, and then we'll go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. You're listening to The Assembly Call. Stick with us. This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. Thank you, Jordan. You are listening to The Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Jared Morris here with uh, Ryan Phillips and Galen Clavio, a frustrated panel 
uh, here today on the assembly call, breaking down Indiana's loss to Illinois. Uh, it's top of segment two, so it is time now for today's meaningful moments you might have missed. Meaningful moments that you might have missed. And this segment is brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Ticket Project, where they help individuals and families experience IU athletic events in person for the first time through the generosity of alumni and fans. To learn more about how you can donate money or extra tickets to help create meaningful moments for other IU fans, visit HoosierTicketProject.org. That's HoosierTicketProject.org. And by the way, our friends from HTP will be at Upstairs next weekend, where we will be for our annual meetup after Indiana plays Penn State, and there will be a raffle with some incredible items. Galen, did I send you the list of items oh, that yeah. are going to be there? For the it's, a, it's, it's pretty darn impressive. It's, it's wow. ridiculous. <laughs> it is ridiculous. Um, and all the proceeds are going to go to Who's Your Ticket Project, so we'll let you know what the details of that are when you get there, but just another reason to come uh, hang out with us, because you might walk away with some like ridiculous memorabilia. It's really, it's impressive. Um, all right, guys, meaningful moments. You know, really there, I think there's several examples of this that we could go with. I'll go all the way back to the very beginning of the game when it was six, five, uh, Xavier Johnson has the ball outside the three point line drives in, hits a little left-handed scoop shot. Just something that we haven't seen a lot this season. Very next possession gets a dribble handoff from Malik Renew took contact, drove, got fouled, got an and one. You saw it on the very last play of the first half where he drove in, took contact from Coleman Hawkins and, you know, missed the shot, but got the rebound and scored. Did it in the second half a couple of times, even there late, you know, Ryan, he did miss the two free throws and it's a shame, you know, X goes two of seven from the line. He's been a guy who has been a good clutch free throw shooter in his time at Indiana, but you know, mentally, I think the pressure got to him a little bit. Um, and so he missed them. There's no excuse for it. You got to make those. But his ability to drive and score and get contact late was really one of the only things Indiana could go to to get a bucket. And so, you know, you look at what X did today, 14 points. He was an efficient 6 of 11, unable to hit his twos and obviously missed the free throws, only two assists, you know, had a couple of turnovers. It was far from a perfect performance for him, Galen, but it was a big step in the right direction. I mean, you had to have something like this from Xavier Johnson to compete. Again, what's the difference between, you know, why was this game competitive for 40 minutes instead of Indiana getting blown out? Well, one reason is because Xavier Johnson was like this was a passable performance. It wasn't great, but it was good. Um, and it was nice to see him get back to doing some X things. And so across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, look, we saw him play well against Ohio State, and it didn't mean anything for the next couple games. So 
we'd be foolish to make any statements about what this means going forward. But what it could mean if you get performances like this is Indiana will have a chance to be competitive in more games. So I actually think you're selling his game a little short. I thought he was better than passable. I agree. This one. I mean, he was the only player other than Malik Renew who was creating his own offense. He was six for outside of like two Mbako drives. Well, yeah. Yeah. But no, no, I, I mean, you're right. I mean, X, X was six for nine from two in this game. I mean, the free throw misses at the end were, or just in general, he was two for seven. That's unfortunate. Uh, but all told, I thought his energy was generally pretty good. I thought his defense overall was fine. And he didn't take anything off the table. And he played 34 minutes. He had no backup. Uh, you know, we, we got nothing out of essentially any other guards in the second half besides Xavier Johnson. I don't know that any did anybody even score from the guards. Leo, Leo had that awesome basket cut. Right. He might have been playing the four at that point. Yeah, I, yeah, say, that I think so. <laughs> I don't think he was technically a guard at that point, Derek. Yeah. Um, but no, look, I, the thing is, uh, people will, uh, I think, hopefully not f- uh, focus too much on the play at the end of the half. That was a ludicrous call uh, by Paul yeah, Sells. Uh, you know, I don't blame him too much for that. And look, Overall, if you can get this type of game as a baseline from Xavier Johnson, you have a much better chance at winning basketball games than what you saw out of him, say, two games ago. So you build on top of the second half of the Wisconsin game with this one. I'm okay with that. And you're going to have to have it because Indiana just does not seem to have anybody else at the guard position that can consistently create uh, throughout the course of both halves. Yeah, yeah, I mean X. You know, I'll talk about X's performance. I the the thing that was other than that bl- missed blockout on Coleman Hawkins, which was inexcusable to not even like look. He just kind of st- and he didn't like go after the rebound either. He just kind of stood there and watched. And and you everybody cannot, on our team does that. I, I know, I know. But you're a senior. You're the captain. You've got to show the effort there and lead from the front. But it doesn't happen. We know that doesn't happen, and it's not worth. I, ju- I just think that's us. probably a more systemic issue than a player you're right. issue because they all do you're, it. So you're absolutely one hundred percent right. And and Hawkins went in there, and it was that. Uh, was that Renew's fourth? It was Malik's fourth. I th- it was. Yeah, I'm pretty. I think it was his fourth. Yeah, and you know, it's because Hawkins came flying in because nobody chipped him. I mean, it's you know, uh, but other than Still that play though. though, I didn't really have a problem with Xavier Johnson today. I thought his energy was great up and down the court the whole way. I thought that he was playing with a bit of a chip on his shoulder and not in the over the top bad X way, but more in the I'm going to attack you way. And you know, when he's playing like that, that's when he's at his best. And and again. You know, we're praising a 14-point performance on 6 of 11 shooting where he missed five free throws. But if this is his baseline performance, if this is what you get out of him and you can rely on, that's great for Indiana. It raises the ceiling on what this team looks like. The problem is with Xavier, it's always been up and down. I appreciate the performance today. I appreciate that he did this on the road as well and didn't sort of let the environment or anything else bother him as much. Um, he's got to make those free throws late. You're in that position. You're the point guard. You're going to have the ball in your hand. you got to make those free throws. And but, also, you know, the other thing that was missing today is his open jump shots. He didn't make yep. any of them. And yeah, that's and he was kind of the next open step. Is he's going to yeah. have to make some of those. Because he's yes. been a guy who has made the catch and shoot threes. And he got yep. an open one. You know, so, and so that's where, I mean, I think you're right, Ken. It was a good performance. I mean, you saw the burst. You saw the ability to get into the lane. You know, and honestly, the thing is, this team probably even needs more from him. But if you get this kind of performance from him, you can compete most nights out. Yes, so that was agree. encouraging to see. Yeah, uh, and he's is, he's not he's not the problem. You know, when you look at today's game, you're like, well, wasn't he, today. Gave, he gave you what you needed. 
you know, and you get no points from Trey Galloway in the second half. You know, I mean, you look at the rest that we've talked, we've harped on the guard issues all year. I don't, they didn't really use the bench. So you can't look at two bench points and be like, yeah, well, I mean, they barely used anybody. So I, you can't really be upset about that. I think it's just the guard play repeatedly not giving you enough of a lift. And we've seen that's again, a systemic issue in the program is consistent guard play. Yeah. A couple other moments, you know, that I want to point out. Um, there was a play in the first half. It was 24 to 23. Uh, Luke Goody missed a three in transition um, that would have given Illinois the lead. Kind of would, would have been one of those big like, OK, this place is going crazy now. He missed it. It's a long rebound. Uh, McKenzie and Baco hustled to kind of tap it. Trey grabbed it, got a transition dunk. I thought it was a huge play at the time. Because Indiana had kind of been nursing the lead, and every time Illinois would get it within one, Indiana would push it back out a little bit. But it was Trey just making an all-out hustle play. And there was another play in the second half, you know, where he's just, you know, basically just, you know, sacrificed his body completely, leaping for a rebound against Goody. They didn't call a foul. He goes crashing to the ground. And, you know, from Trey today, you only get eight points from him. You know, fortunately, you got scoring from Renew, you got scoring from X, you got scoring from McKenzie. So, you know, Trey didn't necessarily have to be kind of the scorer today. I thought he just set the tone with all out energy and hustle yeah. for his entire time on the court. He played 36 minutes. They were tough minutes. But this is really more the role you want him in. Uh, now, he wasn't able to hit some open threes late, and that stinks. So, again, not a perfect performance. But this is him a little bit more in the role where he's successful. Um, and I just... You know, I, I just wanted to credit him because I thought, you know, he needed to lead with energy and, and, and focus. Um, and he really did that today. And so even though he wasn't a leading scorer or anything like that, I just thought there were plays all throughout the game where when Indiana needed something, Trey was able to bring it by either tapping a loose ball or getting that play in transition or going for a rebound. Um, so, it, you know, just it, it was nice to, you know, nice to see that from him. I thought he had a great first half and he kind of was, I mean, offensively he was invisible in the second half, but I did think his energy on defense was there and all that. I think you're right. I thought the first half I was thinking like, Oh, he's going to have a great game. And then he ended up, you know, numbers wise, I mean, and then numbers wise, it didn't end up, but the energy was there throughout. And in the end, I mean, you need that on the road. That should be, a, that needs to be a given in this program that that's available on the road. Yeah. And it just, you know, Galen, you know, he went over three from three, um, Two of them were good shots. I mean, they were kind of, you know, open. I think maybe one of them was was off a dribble, but they're shots that we've seen him make. But it just even watching it, it kind of felt like the weight of the world is on this shot because now you're trying to hit the shot. No one's hit one all game. And if you think that doesn't like build with players mentally in the game, you're crazy. This again is why the way that Indiana treats the three-point line is so ridiculous. Because when you need it, you have to have confidence that you can go to it. You know, and Trey, you know, had been shooting better. I mean, he's been shooting 40 percent. Uh, he started out the season, I think, three of 22 and has been shooting 40 percent from, you know, since then. Uh, but was just, you know, just unable to make those. So you didn't get the shooting that you needed from him. Um, but I just I thought he was able to play a role a little bit more conducive to his skill set today, um, at least because you got scoring from other sources. Yeah, I guess. But the problem is Indiana needs scoring from more than the other sources that they yeah. got. And I know yeah. I, I understand what you're saying. You Trey Galloway played the role that you wanted him to play, which was as the bulldog energy guy, but Indiana doesn't need that. Like this team has to have scoring from somewhere. And you saw it down the stretch when you can't rely on your two guard who you have to play 36 minutes to be able to score. And you're not setting things up for other people. It really does create problems. Now, is that Trey's fault? No, not necessarily. It's more just a problem with, 
this is what you've got. Like, this is the deck that you're dealing out of right now from a personnel perspective. And it kind of lays bare how, if you think about like the lack of production from Xavier Johnson in some past games, this type of a Trey game, I think a lot of negative focus would be on him because, well, gosh, Trey, someone's got to score and it probably needs to be you. In this one, he's able to, you know, kind of recede into the background a little bit and do the little things, which I agree is certainly where his uh, kind of forte is right now. But man, it's tough when you think about the way that this team tries to set itself up and Trey not only has to play with this high level of energy, but he has to hit at least one of those threes that he takes. Otherwise there's just this gaping hole in what you did offensively. And in games that are on the margins like this, it ends up being part of the difference along with the free throws. Yeah. Ryan, any thoughts on him or any other moments that jump out to you that you want to mention? No, you hit the two that I was thinking of. And, and, you know, I, I, I do think, you know, the, the, they're meaningful moments you didn't miss, but it just down the stretch, the last five minutes, just the, 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 you know, Illinois hitting all the hitting free throws and making big shots and Indiana didn't. And, and that's the difference in the game. And it's, and that's regardless of what your team is, you know, and what they're like and where their, their flaws are or whatever, whoever, in a close game on the road, especially the team that makes the big shots wins. And, and in a tight game, Illinois did that credit to them and Indiana didn't. And that, that, that was the difference in the game. The other thing I will mention, I mean, I think one reason why Indiana's offense was able to be a little bit more effective today, even without making any threes, Galen, is we actually saw some cutting, like some smart cutting. Trey had a great cut in the first half. And I think Malik found him for a layup. Anthony Leal had a great basket cut. Uh, Anthony Walker had a great cut. It was not. And look, Part of the reason why Indiana was able to do this is because Khalil Ware is out. The, the, you know, the, the paint is a little bit more open. And so you saw guys who are good cutters. Trey's a good cutter. Anthony Walker's a good cutter. You know, they were able to do that and just get some easy buckets that way. And, you know, so anyway, take that. If I, that if I was Illinois, I would be kind of embarrassed about how I played defense yeah. in the post today. And yeah. even with what Ryan said earlier about how, you know, they were really collapsing. They weren't respecting outside shooters. You know, Indiana had several baskets where, all five players were inside the three-point line when the shot was taken, and they made them. But, you know, the cuts, and I remember the Galloway one you're talking about specifically, and there were a couple of others that were really good. It's like, why not spread things out a little bit more and give people more room to do that? Because that is a more efficient approach, especially when Malik Renew is out of the basketball game. It didn't feel like there was a lot of, uh, of adaptation when that happened. And, uh, you know, someone in the comments mentioned that they're just surprised at how rigid the approach is offensively for this team. And it's jarring when you do see cuts to the basket now because of how out of character it is compared to what Indiana seems to want to do on a consistent basis. It's just, uh, you know, I'm almost to the point where I'm not mad about it. It's actually kind of fascinating how it happens every single game. It's like, surely when you see that and you look at the numbers for like, what are you scoring per possession when you're getting hard cuts to the basket and you're looking to pass, that has to be something that at some point factors into the way Indiana decides to play some of these possessions. I mean, did you see, did you see Tony's IU film room this week? I, I'm, I, I have it queued up. I haven't watched so, it. So, I mean, his, the basic premise was, okay, how can we unlock Xavier Johnson? Well, let's go back and look at what we were doing in 2022 when he was playing well and he and Trace were running the pick and roll so effectively. And you look at the spacing, like the floor was so much more open. And then you contrast it with, you know, still images from this year and everything is more collapsed. I mean, it's not, 
you know, it's a stylistic choice. Yeah, and, it is and, a choice, and that's and that's <laughs> yes. the thing I think that's frustrating is that it's a choice that hasn't paid dividends. So why do you continue to make that 100%. choice, especially when, as you mentioned, Trey Galloway has shot better from three than what he was shooting at the beginning of the year. Mackenzie Mbaco has shot significantly better from three. Like you could make stylistic changes in the way that you're doing things. And just by sheer statistical weight, have better chances at winning games. But you continue instead to stick to this incredibly rigid system that shrinks the floor for your players. It's it's just kind of baffling right now. Yeah, it, it is. And, uh, you know, again, it's a choice. And, and we talked about it. We've talked about it before. And I think the choice has to be for Mike Woodson and the rest of the staff as well is what is the most important thing to you? If it's winning basketball games, you're going to have to make adjustments and changes to way, the way you're doing things and to the system. If at and some to be fair, point, he's made some adjustments. Some, like some adjustments. things we've asked for have been a little different the last some, few games. Some, but it needs the offense needs a massive overhaul. Let's you know tweaks, and it's hard to do that in season. I'll be honest, like it, you know, it's hard to make massive systemic changes in the middle of the Big Ten season. I, I understand that. Um, but next year is going to be really telling. This has not worked for three years. The only reason you worked last year is because you had one of the great players in the history of your program and a lottery pick, you know? So next I mean, year, you got to have something in your playbook to get your best shooter free. And when McKenzie is that locked into the game as he was to me as a coach, because this is how I think as a fan, I'm thinking, get that guy shots. Get yeah. him some open looks. I mean, all the threes he took were contested. You know, he had to basically create them on his own. I mean, there wasn't just an easy, hey, here's McKenzie coming off a screen or here's, you know, we got him a wide open look. It was all such a challenge for him. And, you know, that's yeah. where it's like, it, man, it's, it, it's you know, it's, it's not well, their job to get McKenzie and Baco shots. Though, it, right. Jared. Yeah. I mean, the other the other thing is like. It's just with the system you are running and with the reliance on the post and twos, you're walking such a tightrope to win games against good teams or even decent teams. And you basically have to play it perfectly to win these games. And unless yeah. the other team just tanks, which in the Big Ten is not going to happen that often. You know, they're good programs that run good systems. They have more room for error than you do. And you are basically forcing your players to be near perfect to win these games against against decent teams. And that wears on guys mentally too. To to you know, there's a reason they're so tight. You know, late in games, it's because they have to be perfect, and and they that's not going to happen. But yeah, I mean, we'll see in the off season. I, they have to decide because at this point, it feels like the loyalty and it's almost a point of pride that no, this system can win games. We're going to run this system and prove that it can win games because I won games in the NBA with it and whatever but the priority needs to be winning basketball games, not forcing your system to work. And, and, and at some point, if things don't change, it's very obvious where the, where the focus is and it's not winning basketball games right now. So I uh, will see. I mean, I'm not making that judgment totally, but this off season things have to change. It has to change. If it doesn't, there's no point in continuing. Like, like living or yes yeah <laughs> jared i've done this for 12 years and we've never gotten past the sweet 16 I mean, all right I'm, I'm, I'm about ready to tie it off like it's uh it's wow it's been, it's been rough all right 
Yeah, it's hard to raw watch. after games. Yeah. Game. Part- <laughs> Look forward to Ryan joining us on the football podcast. Oh. This is going to be a nice. There's trip. a there's a reason that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> Man, it's it's. I, I will say there's you know it is it's hard to win on the road. I know some people it's think we're, we're overly critical uh, of the team, and I just again I'll restate the effort was significantly better than what we've seen. It was significantly better in this game than what you saw in the Wisconsin game. It was significantly better than what you saw in the Purdue game. Like Indiana, the players came to play. The big concern, the big problem, and I think what Ryan is talking about is that it just feels like they are at a deficit in terms of how they're being told to attack things. And, uh, you know, even like today was a relatively good defensive day, but we've seen the opposite situations where, you know, there's, there's effort, but it's not being directed in a way that is leading to winning plays. And you see that happen enough times. And it does just make you wonder like, what's, what's the direction? Like how, you know, this is where it's supposed to matter. These sorts of games and you can play hard. You can be close winning games on the road in the big 10 or winning games at home against good teams. You know, the other team's going to make a lot of plays too. You're not going to just rely on them to not do what they need to do. And so I, I'm pleased at the effort. That was that was a thing I was really hoping to see coming off of an eight-day break. You wonder what the mental strain, though, is on this team, and you know how do they handle this now having to go back home and play teams that they're probably in the back of their mind thinking, well, we should beat Iowa. We should beat Penn State. They're going to have to keep that mental intensity up the whole time, and I don't think we've necessarily seen that out of this team this year. I know. And that's, man, yeah. that is part of why I wanted this one so bad. Cause it really, you know, look, this is obviously a team that spent a week really practicing defense after how bad it was against Wisconsin. They looked more cohesive. There was better attention to detail defensively than what we've seen a lot. And I mean, obviously the staff deserve credit for that. You know, Mike Woodson had, it, you know, the thing is, I think what's frustrating, Ryan, is at times, you know, Mike Woodson is able to get these guys to do what he wants them to do. It's just sometimes you're out there watching, you're like, why are you asking them to do that? Yes. You know, and the defense was so much better today. The offense, obviously, we have a lot of questions about. But that's what I worry about, Galen, is this kind of felt like that kind of kitchen sink game where it's like, man, things aren't going well. We are going to lay it all on the line. But then when you come up short, now how do you rebound, you know, coming out the next time? And, and look, hopefully, you know, they come out well, they bounce back, and they play really well against Iowa. But this is a young team that has been very fragile from a psyche perspective. And I do – like, I feel like winning this could have been a big propellant for some of these games. I, I worry, though, about, you know, what we're going to see. And I hope they prove me wrong to worry about that. I mean, one thing I'll say – and look, I think it was a right move to shorten the bench. Yeah. They really only effectively played – Especially on the road. Players. Especially on the road. But on the flip side of that – I mean, where was CJ Gunn? Where was Caleb Banks to 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 not play them at all? Man, that is that is a real at this point in the season, the 27th of January, for those guys to get zero minutes in a key game where both of their skill sets would have come in handy. Banks' athleticism and ability to drive to the basket, even you know, when the moments where he's in control, and Gunn occasionally being able to shoot from outside. The fact that there was no view of either of them getting into this game really says a lot and that's a real concern about you know how do they fit into the alchemy of this program right now 
And it's tough to like make a value judgment on because maybe they just didn't practice well. Like it might have yeah. been perfectly justified, but it is yeah. just interesting, you know, for at this point in the season. Anyway, uh, yeah. Ryan, one more point to you. Yeah, just last thing I wanted to say was uh, like I have no issue with how the players played today. You know, guys miss shots, guys do that, but I don't have an issue with the players' effort, with how they played, with the things they attempted to execute. That is not where my negativity from this game stems at all. I thought they played hard enough to win. I just think they're not put in a position that puts them in the, they're not put in a, to do things that put them in the best position to win. And, and that's, that's why it's frustrating because I thought this was a winning effort on the road today and it just, it didn't happen. And it's, hey, I don't, I don't think it's their fault on the flip side. I, you, I, I love seeing the Anthony Leal minutes and, and he made some yeah. positive contribute. I mean, it wasn't all perfect, but for a guy that hasn't played very much because of injury here lately, it was nice to see him come in and contribute. I did that, that, but, but him doing that and not seeing either gun or banks coming in uh, that I think was probably what got my antenna up as much as anything. Yep. All right. Uh, next up, time to go inside the numbers. This is brought to you by Jackson Hewitt Tax Services. If you live in Bloomington or the surrounding areas and you want your taxes done right, contact our friend and chat mob Hall of Famer Megan Mahaffey and her team in Bloomington, Bedford, and Martinsville by calling 812-339-3334 or by visiting jacksonhewitt.com. That phone number with all those threes, it just taunts us right before the inside the numbers section every game uh, because the three-point Line. I mean, that's obviously the story of the game uh, is Illinois making seven, uh, Indiana making zero. You know, Galen, the one stat that I will point out, you mentioned earlier Indiana only getting eight assists on 25 made baskets, which is not good. You know, when this team plays good offense under Mike Woodson, as coach always says, they share the ball. That assist number is usually higher. It's a team that usually when they win, that's north of 50. Uh, Illinois also only eight assists. And I think this is a credit to Indiana's defense. You know, I thought, you know – one of the biggest things defensively, we've seen this team just get killed on straight line drives and not being able to guard your yard. I thought from a competitive, like, you're my man and I'm going to make it hard for you. You know, you think to, you know, the, the one that pops to my mind is, you know, Marcus DeMass tries to drive Gabe Cups, Gabe Cups. And Cups, you know, found a way to keep him in front of him. Now, I think someone came over and helped defense and, you know, caused a foul. Um, but I just thought a lot of this game, you saw Indiana competing more on drives, you know, not making it easy. And look, Illinois just made tough shots. I mean, that shot that Damascus hits when it's 60 to 58, the turnaround on the baseline, you can't defend it any better. I mean, they've got some dudes that can make plays, you know, um, and they miss some bunnies. There's no question about it. But I thought overall, I mean, I don't think this Indiana team is capable of playing great defense, but they are capable of playing good defense. And I thought today they played good defense, good enough defense to win for sure. I mean, you're not going to stop every shot. Illinois is going to hit right. some shots. And, but going back to what Ryan said earlier, your success or failure is kind of predicated on whether Illinois misses all the shots. I mean, there, there's, to be honest, like, you know, we're sitting here and we're praising Indiana's effort and, uh, you know, that's, they do deserve that. But a lot of it was also Illinois just having a really bad shooting game and Illinois struggling to put the ball in the basket for large stretches. Now they started to hit some shots late and that's kind of ultimately what helped to forge that deficit that Indiana couldn't overcome. Um, but that's what makes the game even more frustrating is that yes, there were some good defensive moments and Indiana certainly contributed somewhat, but it was an abnormally bad shooting game for Illinois. 
and Indiana. What they missed, like their first eight or something like that. Yeah, I mean they could barely get started. It was I was having you know flashbacks to that Iowa game, uh, you know where Indiana jumped out to a big lead. I mean Illinois finished up twenty three of sixty two from the field and still won by eight points. And it feels like you should win a game where your team, the, your your opponent shoots that badly. Yeah, yeah I, one of the best offenses in the country. Yeah. yeah. And you, you did really well against them defensively. Uh, I, I think, you know, just uh, this whole conversation we're having about shooting and efficiency and all that. I think the one stat that stands out to me is that Indiana scored on 49.2% of its possessions and or had a scoring percentage of 49.2 and, and Illinois had 48.5. It's because they hit better shots and they hit shots that are worth more. And that's why they won. And that's that. I mean, you know, but are you suggesting that a three pointer is worth more? Than yeah. A I'm I, Andy's not, the math major isn't here, but I think we can go with that. We got a couple, we got a, we got two journalism guys and a, I know you're a business guy, but come on. Uh, no, I, I, it's just, it's, but it's that, it's that simple. You know, it is that simple. You take shots that are worth more and make them, you are going to win the game. And it seems basic to us, but it's, it, somebody's missing that memo. So, yeah, the other number I'll point out, Galen, I'll throw to you is just Malik Renew, uh, you know, scoring 28 points on eight of 12 shooting. I mean, Malik Renew is just a fun. And look, he's got like, what else like, does he have to prove? Like, well, <laughs> I, you know, I will say this. I think one thing that he does have to prove is recognition out of the double. There were actually a couple times where McKenzie Mbako was open when Malik got doubled and he just wasn't able to make the pass. Now, part of that is because he's got three or four guys around him at all times, you know, and he's going to have to try and dribble through that sometimes. And he gets himself in a little bit of trouble, but you don't get all the incredible finishes if you don't give him some freedom to dribble and probe and do some of that. So I don't have a problem there. I do think the the one area of growth, and look, it took Trace until his senior year to get good at this, so it's not a criticism. It's really more just here's how much higher the ceiling can go for this guy. Yeah. He's already tremendous. I mean, to be able to do that when Illinois was – I mean, they, that was basically the, they, the one thing that you know they knew Indiana could do. It, it just continues to be – just absolutely impressive. And I'd, I'd love to see how the game would have ended if Indiana could have kept him on the court, but you know, yeah, you know, and look, he's, he's worked on the foul thing. I mean, that was the first time he'd gotten even four fouls in a game, let alone oh, five yeah. since the more has two of them were, were pretty uh, cheap. They were, you know, but again, you're, when you're banging down low like that and Illinois really did start to try to aggressively go after him. And look, he's, he still hasn't quite figured out when he just has to back off with the idea that him being on the floor is more important than whatever basket is being attempted by the opposition and not uh, having where there hurts him with that. Cause there's it, nobody to step up unquestionably, yeah. but you know, the, the two things I'll say about Malik, everything you said, absolutely. I think he's, he's taken a huge leap this year. Uh, you know, he's do- more than doubled his minutes. He's, he's shot the ball so much better. I've been so impressed by his passing. He didn't really do a lot of that today, but you know, his passing out of the post has generally been really good. I I do feel like we're lucky that he's able to convert all of these things, but I almost feel like it's unfair that he is put in the position where he has to convert every single time we pass him the basketball. And, you know, like, again, it feels schematic. I don't think it's just Malik being a black hole where, you know, he's like, well, I'm just going to take this and go to the basket. It's that's the plan. There's not movement around. There's not attempts to try to alleviate the pressure by moving shooters into different position. Nobody would respect them if they were there in the first place, I guess. But like Malik is having to carry this huge burden 
because of the way Indiana chooses to play the game, he gets a huge amount of credit from me for doing as well as he's done. I just wish we'd make it a little easier on him because he's, you get a game like this, he's going to have games where he's in foul trouble. Let's let some of the pressure off and get some other guys involved so that it doesn't feel like that's the end of the game when it happens. It's also strange. I mean, there were several times where he had the ball outside the three-point line. They were nowhere near him, and he wasn't even looking to shoot. And, I mean, he is shooting 40% from three on the year, and I realize he's, you know, he had that big game against North Alabama and has struggled a little bit since then. It was just weird. It's almost like he's been told not to look at the three-point line, or to be fair, maybe his confidence is just down. He didn't want to, but I know it just seemed odd that a guy who's demonstrated he can make it, it doesn't really matter because people he's don't trust down. that he's actually going to take them. He's so. still he's still a solid four, 13, 14% better than Trey Galloway from three on the season. So he needs to take more. And I think yeah. you're right. I think he's being told not to even look at them at this point. Yeah. Well, uh, and also I will say with, with wear out, uh, he has to take on so so much more of a burden. Maybe he just doesn't feel his legs are there from three. I mean, it, it's it's really quite possible because he's has he's carrying so much of the load. It's got to be exhausting. No, oh, yeah, there's no question about that. Uh, any other numbers before we break here? No, nah. that jump out to you guys. No, no, yeah. All right, we all know what the numbers say <laughs> after an Indiana <laughs> loss. At this point. I will say I Indiana know. did go up one spot in Ken Palm with this. So oh, hey, hey, that's that's. Hey. Cool. Good job, boys. All right. <laughs> Play the fight song. Uh, there we go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> One spot in Ken Palm. Okay. <laughs> All right. Coming up on the assembly call, we're going to hand out some game balls and Hoosier Hustle Award, discuss a lingering question or two, and then we'll look ahead to what is coming up next for the Hoosiers as they face Iowa next week. That's all next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. A new year is a new chance to focus on you. You're probably already picturing yourself struggling at the gym, but not all self-help has to mean suffering. Squeeze.com is making it easier than ever to elevate your wellness by delivering a juice cleanse right to your doorstep. It's the easiest juice cleanse you'll ever do that may aid in weight loss, eliminating bloating, clearing your skin, boosting your energy levels, improving sleep, and breaking bad eating habits. Meet all your health goals from the comfort of your home. Get free same-day local delivery or fast free delivery nationwide with code WONDERY today at Squeezed.com. Hi, it's Thomas Bryant. What's the only thing better than being Kentucky in the NCAA tournament? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. 
Thank you, Thomas. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Galen Clavio and Ryan Phillips. We are breaking down Indiana's eight-point loss to Illinois, and it is time now for Game Balls, presented by our friends Allie and James at Bloom Environmental. And they want to make sure that everyone knows about radon, which is a colorless, odorless, radioactive gas that is the leading cause of lung cancer in non-smokers. And according to the EPA, Monroe County and other surrounding areas throughout Indiana are expected to have elevated levels of radon above the action level recommended for mitigation. So contact Bloom Environmental today. Mention Assembly Call, and you will get a free radon test kit and mitigation estimate. Uh, I know several of our listeners have already done this, uh, so you can join them. Do that. You can learn more at bloomenviro.com. That's bloomenviro.com. All right, gentlemen, game balls. Ryan, why don't you lead us off? Yeah, it's Malik Renault. Uh, 21 points, 7 rebounds. And just without him, this is a blowout. Like, I, you know, I mean, that's the way I look at it. It's not even about the numbers. It's just without him on the floor, even though he, he, he played 34 minutes and fouled out uh, without him. This is this is an absolute disaster for Indiana. And uh, it's not that they play hard. It's just if you're missing that guy, where do you go? Where do you turn offensively? So uh, eight to 12 from the floor. He's five of nine from the line. I know he'll want some of those back uh, Two offensive rebounds, five defensive rebounds and assists and only two turnovers in 34 minutes. And he was also only minus one uh, in, in the fact that when he was playing, Illinois made a couple big runs. So I think having him the rest of the game, maybe you get a little bit of a different result because you have somewhere to go offensively. But uh, yeah, he's just continues to prove that he is the leader on this team on the floor and he is the guy they turn to and he's the guy they look to in every key situation and he's earned that right. So I, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Malik Renew today. No doubt. Uh, Galen. It's Malik Renew. I, I, I can't mount an, an argument that would mean anything for any of the other players. So, yeah, I mean, he was, I mean, if you don't have Malik Renew playing the way that he does Indiana loses by 15 or 20. And as Ryan said, if he's in the game at the end, maybe they don't lose. Yeah, I will just throw in honor. I mean, it's Malik Renew. I will throw honorable mention in for Mackenzie Mbako, who I thought sure. had his best game overall, even though he didn't make as many shots as you would like. Uh, and again, had some defensive breakdowns late. Like, he still has a ways to go. But my goodness, just think about how far he's come, you know, since early in the season. And, and you know, and I think this is where Mike Woodson deserves some credit. I mean, he was he would not allow McKenzie to play poor defense early. He sat him on the bench and I think got that message across. And McKenzie, you know, kind of since getting through that uh, has been a better rebounder has has, you know, and the other thing that really impresses me is guys who are shooters and McKenzie and Baco is a shooter. When that element of their game is taken away, a lot of times the rest of their game suffers, especially young players. And so for him to have a game like he did today where he's not getting shots, nothing's being run for him to get shots, but to still find a way to produce offensively, to rebound like he did, uh, and to make some good defensive plays. I mean, he had some breakdowns, but he had some good defensive plays too. Uh, I think he's a worthy uh, runner-up for game ball. Um, and, you know, kind of tried to keep the offense afloat there for a little while after Malik fouled out. Um, but Malik's the guy um, on this team, and he deserves the game ball uh, for sure. So that is his seventh game ball. He is now one behind Khalil Ware. Although in Malik's defense, most of his game balls have come in Big Ten play. Khalil's came earlier, so yep. the, the degree of difficulty on Malik's have been a little bit higher, but he's about to catch up to Khalil, and hopefully we'll have Khalil back against Iowa uh, so those guys can do their thing together. All right, uh, next up, it is time for our Hoosier Hustle Award. Hi, this is Anthony Leal, and it's time for the Hoosier Hustle Award. But first, let's talk about my friends at Security Pro 24-7, who provide trusted and reliable security for your event or business. 
From Bloomington, my hometown, to Evansville, where Coach Calvert Chaney grew up, and everything in between. Just like hustle can't be measured by stats, prevention can't be measured either, but it has a huge impact on your bottom line and peace of mind. So let the security pros at Security Pro 24-7 help you prevent a bad outcome today. Visit securitypro247.com to learn more. That's securitypro247.com. And tell them Anthony Leo sent you. All righty. Thank you, Anthony. Time for a hustle award. Galen, we'll go to you first for this one. Ooh. Um, I guess I'm going to go with – it's tough. It's between two people. Tough one. There's a yeah. few options. It's, yes. I'm going to – I feel like I know the way you guys are going to go. So I'm going to go with Xavier Johnson in this one, actually. I feel like, uh, it's, you know, both ways, uh, he really provided a lot of sparks. I know that won't be a popular uh, choice with some of the folks listening, probably. But I feel like without his hustle, particularly offensively, I don't think Indiana's as close as they were in the last minute of this game. And I thought defensively he was pretty good. And he was able to add actual scoring. Uh, especially in the second half, which kept Indiana afloat. So that that is my choice. Okay, X, very nice. Ryan? Uh, I got Mbako uh, for the 12 rebounds. He did have a block as well, played 37 minutes. Um, yeah, the scoring was great, but, you know, adding 12 points is, is good. He was four. He didn't have a great shooting night, as we've talked about, but four offensive rebounds and 12 rebounds total. Uh, he was going after it the whole game. And while he has his deficiencies defensively, he played real hard defensively. And I feel like, you know, he was a guy keeping Indiana afloat. And if you look at it, the last basket Indiana score was at a minute 30 left and it was Baco to tie the game. So I, I, I got to give it to him. I think, I think Xavier's a good choice as well. I think Anthony Leal's a good choice. I think he was excellent when he was in there, though it was, you know, only 16 minutes. Um, he played more than Gabe Cups today, you know. And, um, so, but I, I got to go with Mbako. You know, look, and I know we have some listeners that are like, there are no hustle awards, there are no game balls for losses. And I mean, sometimes that is true. But guys, I mean, we have a sponsor, thing. we have to do it. Like, well, <laughs> that, but even even so, hustle was not the problem today. Like, they played hard. I think you can make a case for all the starters, honestly. I mean, Trey has a great case to be made, and I kind of made it in the meaningful moment section. But Ryan, I'm going, I'm agreeing with you on Mbako. Um, it, I thought he, he just, he stayed committed to the game. I mean, it was it was by far the most mature performance that he's had. And I know like, and this is where context is so important. Like you could look at the box score and be like four for 14. There's the, the freshman, you know, forcing shots and getting selfish. But if you watch the game, you realize that there were just possessions where Indiana needed something to happen. Uh, and they put him in positions, you know, to drive and he, you know, went at it and, you know, made a few tough shots, missed some tough ones. Um, but I just thought it was a really mature performance from him uh, and, and a really good sign uh, for his development here as we go down uh, the stretch. So that is his fourth Hustle Award, actually. And he is now tied with Gabe Cups for the lead on the team. Uh, in hustle. What's what's happening over there? Oh, uh, the <laughs> ACC just handed Duke another game at home. Sorry. Oh. Just, 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 just shocker. Whoa. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Ryan, do you have thoughts on Duke being handed victories by nope. officials? Not a single thing, because you know what? We'd be here for twice the length of this show if we had to do that. Uh, all right, lingering question. Um, Galen, I will – I think there, there are two obvious lingering questions to me coming out of this game. One is, okay, what do we do with this from Xavier Johnson? Is this a sign of things to come? Is this an island around which there's going to be some other poor performances? You know, we don't really have a way to predict that. I think the other lingering question is, 
this level of fight and commitment to the game that Indiana had. I think that's the best way I want to phrase it is commitment to the game because they were there for 40 minutes, didn't have enough to do it. Um, and, and again, you know, for those who, you know, want to say, and I've already seen this on Twitter, oh, you know, here's the moral victory parade. It's not a moral victory. I don't look at it that way. This should have been a victory. Indiana could have won this game. But in terms of meeting the team where it's at, this has been a team where the fight and, and all that stuff hasn't been there for 40 minutes. And so the fact that it was, I, I do take some pride in that, and I'm happy that we saw it. Now my question is, going back home against Iowa, do we see that? Because if we see this level of fight and effort at home against Iowa, we'll, we'll win that game. Even with our, the imperfect way that we play, we'll beat them. But if we come out and play kind of how we have in the past, and it ebbs and it flows and it's not all there, which is what I'm worried about, you know, then Iowa's going to – they're good enough to win. I mean, Woody hasn't beaten Iowa yet. Um, so anyway, so those are the two lingering questions to me, and I don't really know that there's a way to answer them. So you can take a stab at it, or if you have a different lingering question, you know, we can hit that. Um, but as a podcast host, I always appreciate being asked questions that I cannot answer. Well, uh, that, but that's what I mean. Uh, if you want to just move on from them, no, I no, give no. you permission. I, I, I'll say this: I think that the it's not just effort; it's effort and focus. Yes, and. I think actually Indiana's had some pretty good effort in almost every game, but it's those breaks in focus that end up killing them. And that's what did them in, in this game. They went three different stretches where they let Illinois score what, like nine or 10 straight points. Uh, I, I forget what the exact number After was. we went up 49, 42, they bounced right back with like an 11, or 13, run on. Us. Right. Yep. So I look, Ultimately, I just feel like even if you get high level effort, you're going to end up with a situation where Indiana just, again, they tie their hand behind their back when it comes to how they're approaching the games. And what worries me is, yeah, you could go home and you're playing an Iowa team that maybe isn't the greatest in the world. And, and they've certainly had their struggles, but Iowa can shoot. Iowa doesn't turn the ball over. I don't know if Indiana is going to be able to maintain focus any more against Iowa than they did against you know, Ohio state where they almost gave the game up at the end. And, and so I am, what concerns me is there's 11 games left in this season. Indiana's 12 and eight is actually 12, I guess, technically, because Indiana is going to have to play in the big 10 tournament. Uh, but there's 11 games left in the regular season. And I do worry if this, if they lose one of these next two games and then they go on the road and they lose two, like this could spiral pretty badly because I think you're already seeing guys starting to lose confidence. Malik renews down like nine or 10 percentage points from the free throw line from what he was last year. You've got guys that aren't pulling the trigger on open shots. Uh, that's only going to get worse if they keep losing games. This was their third loss in a row. If they win these next two, I'm a little less concerned, and maybe that helps right the ship a little bit. But I do worry about the collective negative mental energy that might be happening moving forward. Coach just sent in this text. Uh, I guess Brad Underwood must have said this at his postgame press conference. When you don't shoot and hit threes, it becomes difficult to win. They were over. Thanks, Brad. <laughs> I mean, Clearly, he's been watching. Can't, can't argue with his logic. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, Ryan, any thoughts on that or any other lingering questions that no, you guys jumping out to you? I mean, that's, that's exactly, you know, what we have to look for going forward. It's consistent effort and does anything change essentially and effort and focus are, are what's going to determine the rest of this team's uh, season and do things change Do the, do they finally figure out a way to, uh, make up for their obvious deficiencies? And we haven't seen that yet. Yeah. And, you know, I will also say this. 
that Iowa game is probably a game where you need a lift from the bench. Number one, you're at home and usually get better from the bench at home. It's a relatively quick turnaround on Tuesday, and your starters logged a lot of tough physical minutes tonight. So it's not, you know, I mean, these guys are college kids. They should be able to, you know, play two or three games in a week. Um, but still, it's the kind of game where, especially if there's any lingering just disappointment from this loss, if those guys maybe who didn't play but get a chance can come in and give a big lift, that could go a long way towards winning that game. Are they mentally prepared to do that? Hopefully they are. Um, we'll find out on Tuesday. So that's the next game we have coming up, Tuesday against Iowa. We'll have Assembly Call Radio on Thursday. And then Saturday we will be in Bloomington for the Penn State game. So uh, the details of that are up on our website, www.assemblycall.com. Uh, we'll be at Upstairs after the game. We'll be there all weekend. And so even if you can't go to Upstairs, but you're going to be in town Friday night or out Saturday let us know. You can you know, send me a tweet or send me an email, whatever. Our goal when we come up there is to meet as many of you as possible. Uh, so please let us know when there is an opportunity to do that. And Galen, you and Scott will be at Upstairs for the game, actually. Uh, maybe doing a little halftime show. Uh, I don't know if no. Scott is going to bring any of his high-end balsamic vinegars and caviars. Maybe to do a he tasting. Need, he doesn't but, need to because we've got Hard Truth Distillery. The, the, right. the state's largest distillery who's sponsoring the show. That's so right. uh, we'll be there hopefully with product that we can share with all yes. of you. But yeah, yes. we'll be during the game. We'll be there before the game. Uh, come on out. It should be a good time. If you haven't been back to Bloomington and been to the renovated and fully operational battle station known as Upstairs Pub, you are missing out. And we hope. Yeah, I'm very excited. It's fascinating what has changed, Ryan. You're going to really love it. I, it's going to blow my mind. Yeah. I saw that, like, you know, I remember when we were there, I think it was last year, maybe two years ago, it was already starting to look different. And I can't imagine what it's like now. Yep. All right. Uh, remember to check out our friends at Homefield Apparel. Promo code HOME23 at checkout will give you 15% off your first order. Time for last call. Ryan, you go first. Yeah, I just think that it's same story for Indiana, and it's a, it's a it's a team that doesn't play modern basketball and that doesn't prioritize shooting, and that's it's hurting them. And on the road, you got to hit shots, and Indiana hit legitimately none today from three. Um, so I just think that w we know what this team is. It's it's almost not even disappointing anymore because you just expect it. It's it's soul crushing and tough, and uh, somebody needs some hard truth distillery liquor after the these games i think and that's somebody might be sitting in san diego california right now um but i i just think that you know this is baked into who to this program it's not just this team it's not just these players it's baked into the program and indiana if it wants to make a run this year and it wants to improve its position and it wants to even you know at this point get into the nit uh it, it that is it has to change the, the their identity being a team that can't shoot and the program's identity of being a program that cannot get shots and make them needs to change. And it's as simple as that. And we've talked about it a lot. I know it sounds like a broken record, but if you look at the games they lose, this is the reason. And um, so, yeah, I uh, that's where I'm at right now. It's just expected. It's expected that that's who this who this team and this program is. And, and it's it is really disappointing. Again, you know, we've been delivering a lot of hard truths or been dealt a lot of hard truths so far this season. So I much prefer the hard truth distillery type of hard truth than the ones yeah. that we've had to be living with. So as, anyway, as you're, you should. Uh, yeah. now, uh, no, final, final thought for me. I mean, Indiana's lost four of their last five. And we knew that this three game stretch was going to tell us whether or not this team had any chance of making the NCAA tournament. And, you know, barring a close to undefeated run out in these last 11 games, that's pretty much over with. 
So now you have to reset expectations. And Indiana's got to show that, hey, they got marginally better in each of these games in these last three. They played really bad against Purdue. They played good in stretches against Wisconsin. It wasn't enough. And then they played pretty well today. Uh, but as Ryan said, they're just not playing the style of basketball that's going to allow the variance needed to win games like this. But they play a lot of teams down the stretch where the variance might be there because uh, Penn State, Iowa, Northwestern, Nebraska, uh, you know, these are teams that they're going to play at home. These are not teams. Go look at Nebraska's home road splits if you want some laughs. Man, wow, that's something. Uh, but Indiana's got to capitalize. At this point, you got to say, look, this season didn't go the way that everybody wanted. Aim for the NIT. Make something out of that. Make the changes in the offseason like Ryan talked about. But try to finish strong. Because I think if you don't finish strong and you don't finish with winning more games than you lose down the stretch, people are going to have even louder questions than they already have. And I think those questions are, are starting to look more and more justified. Yeah. And some of the people who could have those questions are guys that you're banking on to be here next year to be foundational pieces. And so, you know, we did an entire assembly call radio on important storylines to watch down the stretch, you know, and you lose today. I think Galen, to your point, the NCAA tournament, you know, very much, I mean, an extreme, extreme long shot at this point. Um, but there's still a ton to play for it. And you kind of took the point I wanted to make, Galen, which was to, you know, no one wants to really think positive when you've lost four out of five, but the team has played incrementally better the last three games. Now, that won't matter at all if they don't continue to do that at home these next two games against Iowa and Penn State. These are two games that you need to have. I mean, at a minimum, the foundation of Mike Woodson's program has to involve protecting home court and playing your best at home. Because, man, I mean, now look, their last time out at home, they delivered one of their worst performances of the season against Purdue. So you can't take that for granted. Um, but I think at least with, you know, kind of the fight and the focus and the effort that we saw today, if we can get that back in Assembly Hall the next couple of games, those are two very winnable games. And so, uh, you know, what we saw today, to a certain extent, we'll be able to contextualize a little bit better after we see these two games. Was this just kind of an island and they put everything into it for a week and prep for this game and went all out to win it and weren't able to do it? Or was this a sign of, hey, a team that's coming together where the young players are maturing a little bit, where you've got two real offensive building blocks and McKenzie and Baco and Malik Renew and they can play better? We'll find out, I think, over these next two games. Um, and hopefully they can. The talent is there. Uh, the ability is there certainly to win games, uh, you know, like what they have coming up on the schedule. And now it's up to them, uh, the players, to bring this level of focus and fight for 40 minutes. And it's up to the coaching staff to continue to find ways to adjust and adapt and tweak to put them in a better position. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't have enough answers today, uh, and it resulted in a loss. Hopefully, they'll have more answers here these next couple times out. All right, that'll do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, Make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com and join our free email newsletter uh, that we have on Substack. Special thank you to Bob Thompson for the music you hear on the show. Special thank you to John Ringer of Rig Design for designing our logo. And thank you to everybody who was here live watching us. Uh, we'll be back on Tuesday after the Iowa game. Until then. Take it from me, Anthony Leo. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Here I come, Mr. Stun Sony. I do make regular burgers. All right, uh, another one in the books. Another one in the books. Yep. Great times.
Hey, yeah. well, this time, this time next week, we will be at upstairs. Uh, the drinks will have been flowing. We will be fully into the meetup at this at this point next week. So that will be a lot of fun. Can't wait to see everybody. Yeah, it'll be good times. Yeah, it will be good times. And look, and even the results of the game doesn't matter. We can still have good times anyway. If we could have a good time after they lost the Purdue game where Knight came back in a non-competitive effort, we can have a good time no matter what happens on the court against Penn State. So <laughs> it'll be fun after the game no matter what happens on the court. <sighs> <laughs> Ryan looks thrilled. <laughs> That's great. Let's bring the energy up in this room. All right. All right. I, I got to go cook dinner. I got you guys. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.